Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their insights. If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'd also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review, as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. So today's episode of Autism Stories is number 200, which is sort of a milestone. I just so happen to be the host, but I look at Autism Stories as a community project, a project in which all the guests and listeners are truly in this together. Each person has a unique and important story to tell, and there's so much value in each one of our stories, no matter who you are. When you've met one autistic person, you've met one autistic person, but we have so many things in common. And I hope you feel those commonalities in each week's episode, and that helps you to feel validated and heard in your own life, the life of a loved one or someone you support. However, I also hope you feel the differences and embrace our guests sharing stories that may be different from your own, as that is where the greatest learning can often come from. With this being a milestone episode, I'm so thankful one of my favorite people in the autistic community is joining me in Becca Laurie Hector. Becca joins me to discuss writing her new book, Autistic Burnout, and Moving Halfway Across the United States. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Becca, thanks so much for joining me on, I guess it's a landmark episode of Autism Stories. This is number 200, and I don't think there's anyone I would rather talk to on episode 200 on a landmark episode other than you. Appreciate that. When you told me that you were at 200, I was like blown away. People don't understand. Like, it doesn't seem like a lot of podcasts, you know, when you look at the thousands that really big podcasts have. But you guys, that's 200 people, 200 <laughs> human beings that Doug had to reach out to, schedule with, record with, edit. That's a lot of work. So, congratulations on 200 episodes. I think it's amazing. And I am really excited that you asked me to be on the 200th episode. Well, well, thanks so much. And and I haven't we haven't talked to you on autism stories in 2022. So you're making your at least your yearly uh, excursion <laughs> here. So I appreciate that. And it feels like we haven't talked a lot about this, but it feels like this year there's been a lot of ups and downs for you. And I know earlier in the year you were dealing with burnout with that you shared uh, with a lot of people through your YouTube videos and about you shared about things that that you did to kind of help to recover. So what would you say were some of the important things you did to lead uh, back into maybe a better emotional, mental or physical space in your life? Well, I always I did what I tell people to do, and I know that it sounds crazy because I'm, you know, or I was a coach. I am a coach, and so it's. But I coach myself in my head. If like you know, we all have like a voice in our head and that kind of thing. And so sometimes I'm that voice in people's heads. Like I'm that voice to them. 
inside my head, it's a lot of me and my mom yelling at me a lot in my head. Like it's a lot of like that really visceral encouragement. And so what I say to myself in there is slow down, right? Like immediately my first inkling that I am in burnout is that I have zero. And when I say zero, I mean zero patience for anybody or anything. Like it's like being in like PMS overdrive for me when I start to go into burnout. So when I see that, like waking up cranky is a big one for me. Like nothing even happened yet. And I'm already pissed off at the world. What is going on? Right. That's usually my clue. And so when that starts to happen for me, my, there's a response I've trained myself to have is, slow down. Something is not right. So slow down and figure out what it is. And that's what I started doing, you know, and I, the other, the other fold of that with burnout is to not sit still because you don't want to allow uh, inertia to creep in. So you don't want to like give into the burnout, right? You want to acknowledge it's happening, but you don't want to give in. And then you need to simplify and do the basics. So I say, like, go back to making sure you're showering the right amount of times. Are you eating the right amount of times a day? Are you taking care of your hygiene? Are you taking care of your family? Like, in your your world of priorities, are you taking care of your priorities? And if not, that's probably a good inkling as to where the burnout is coming from, right? I mean, it's usually a good clue. But if that's not where the burnout is coming from, it keeps you in a healthy mental and physical place to be dealing with whatever is causing so that's what I did I just started canceling things and saying no to things and really lightening my calendar and then I really started looking at my life and where I was spending my spoons and deciding where I wanted to continue spending them I guess you used an interesting word cranky for me a lot of times I'll wake up and be very anxious is it anxiety? Is it cranky? Is there? A, do you feel there's a difference between the two? For me, there's a difference, and that you know, I don't know. Cranky is my word, right? It's like every other emotion. I feel like we a word is given to us about the way that we feel, and that's the word we use to describe it, right? So cranky is the word that has been used my whole life, and it feels like an impatience and frustration to me, like. I don't have the patience to wait for you to figure out what's going on. I don't want to know your stupid logic behind your behavior today. I don't care. Like, it's just like an impatience with any of the nonsense, especially for me, neurotypical nonsense, right? So like any hoop jumping, any systems that are broken, things like that. And I am annoyed, right? I, I just instantly, like almost to a rage place. And that feeling to me is very specific to burnout. Do I get that way about certain things sometimes? Yes. But if I wake up like that first thing in the morning or I'm just feeling like that all through the whole day, that cranky feeling, I just, you know, no, this is burnout. There's mm-hmm. something going on bigger than that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about burnout because I think for me, I see a connection between burnout and shame. I was definitely a few months ago feeling the early stages of burnout and, you know, thought about you know, what changes I can make to kind of get out of that before things start to head in in really a bad direction. So one of the changes I contemplated, and this might be surprising to people, is stopping autism stories, you know, stopping this podcast altogether. And just because kind of like you, I wanted to figure out, like, 
how do I lighten my schedule? Like, what are the things that are truly important to me? And I don't want to just do something just because that's my routine. So how do you look at the idea of actual change or real change in relation to burnout? For me, I've figured out over the course of time that burnout is directly related to boredom and some, if something's not right for me. So it's like it's just created for me when I feel like I'm constantly banging my head against the wall. That's how I describe it. So if I constantly am banging my head against the wall for a really long period of time, I begin to feel burnout. I get frustrated and annoyed with it and I begin to be burnt out. And what that tells me is that I'm not getting what I need out of the things that I'm doing, right? So for you, maybe it was autism stories. You said, I'm almost at 200 episodes, right? I've talked to a lot of people. I've been doing this a long time. And it's almost like, not that you're tired of doing it or that you don't love it anymore, but it's like your brain is bored. Your brain wants to take on other projects, right? And what we do as autistics is hang on to that stuff because we like the routine. We hang on way longer than we should and avoid the change as though that's going to make things better, right? But the truth is, it's a lot faster to just make the adjustments and walk through the discomfort of the change for what the reward is. In other words, you're like, it's like a long extended death is what you're asking for, right? If you don't stop it, right? And so with this burnout for me, there were a lot of things that I needed to change. And I can imagine easily you thinking about letting autism stories go, right? Like it's done its job for you in your life and either pass it on to someone else to host, right? So that it continues to live its life, but sort of be done, right? And that's the place that we are, autistics are not encouraged to uh, dive into. We're not encouraged to go chasing that feeling. Everyone somehow thinks it's better for us if we stay status quo, but status quo isn't real because that's not, I mean, nobody's life is status quo, right? Except maybe people who are in jail, right? Because they have that, structured routine that's out of their control. So I, I think it's it's something that we're not allowed to explore, but we should be, right? Because our burnout is telling us something and we're supposed to be learning from it. Yeah. I love you using the word boredom because I, I asked myself that, like, what are the things that I'm like really excited to do? And I, when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, I'm still really excited to do autism stories and talk to people like you that I have in the past or talk to new people and learn from their stories. But I don't know how often, like, how often do you kind of just like look at your life and kind of like, I don't know, like do a re-examine it? Uh, I do. I actually do it probably more often than most people, I think, because I have learned I am now addicted to change. I am now addicted to chasing new and different and bigger things. I really like the challenge. And I sit here right now exhausted in front of you and like depleted by my spoons. I would still take on another challenge tomorrow. Like I just now that I have figured out the formula for me, I just think it's like I'll do it again. I'll do watch. Watch me do this. Watch. Yeah. I'm going to do it one more time. One more time. I'm like addicted to that feeling because when you create small successes and you build big successes on top of them, you, it's like, a, you know, you want more of that in your life. You want more of the goodness. Right. And so I do it a lot. I think most people should do it at least once a year, if not twice a year. If you are a growing, evolving, changing human being, and most autistics are because we're information seekers. So many, most of us are changing as the information in our brains change. 
you should be looking and saying, am I bored with my life? Am I uncomfortable in my life because I'm bored? Because something's not right? Because something changed and I didn't adjust for it, right? Any and all of those things. People who live stagnant lives are the only people that can do the same thing forever, right? You know, I think talking about burnout's really important because as autistics, it greatly impacts the quality of our lives. I was watching one of the many videos that you've done. Uh, I think this one was from a few months ago in which you talked about your word of the year. And it's one of my favorite words. You said freedom. That was your word of the year. Do you normally select a word for, for each year? And how does that kind of impact your life for that year? Yeah. So this word thing I've been doing for like seven or eight years now. Okay. And it's because I truly, truly do not believe in resolutions. I just don't think they work. I think they're dumb. I think if you pick them, they're usually hard. And usually by around February, people are sort of given up. Well, I really think that stinks and it makes me feel really bad about myself to not be able to keep that. So what I decided to do instead was to pick a theme word for the year. To say this is the theme, this item is something I want to work on all year long, right? It's something I want to chase this year. And so for me, I realized, A, it needed to be an action word. It had to be a verb. It has to be something that keeps you in action, right? That, and for me, I don't know, I started, first year I did forgiveness. And forgiveness taught me things in a really weird way that I was not expecting. There were things I expected out of the word forgiveness for my year, and I didn't get that. I got other surprising lessons. It, there was something about that F that I was like, I'm just going to keep using an F word. So I've been using an F action word for the last six or seven <laughs> years, right? So that's where that comes from. And I teach it now in my course to choose your F word or whatever your word is. And this year's word is free, right? The idea of being free, what does free mean to me? Where does that lie? What are the weird beliefs I have in my body and brain about that word? All of those things. And that's sort of how I... Anytime a challenge or obstacle comes up in my life for that year, I try to look at it and find a solution for it in that word that I that is my theme for this year. And so that's this year is free, and I imagined it to be something different than it is. It's a lot of work to be free. There's a lot of effort and planning and just conscious awareness, I guess to being free and what freedom feels like to you is a very personal thing right a lot of my lessons this year were about free time which is interesting and the importance of free time to me and i also learned really that financial freedom is something that has eluded me my whole life it's something that has create always been an obstacle and it's the obstacle that I hate most. And so I did a lot of work this year on financial freedom because that is part of your free time, right? How much of your free time you're giving away to, you know, be financially stable is an equation. And so they worked together for me in that way. Now I know quality of life is so important to you and, and for, and other autistics in helping them to achieve that. And I saw you talk about on YouTube how you want to do research on how cats improve the quality of life for autistics. Where are you in this process? <laughs> I'm really far away in that particular process, but I am working on quality of life for autistic adults. So I am working on that research. 
when I get to the cat part, I will have really, I think, achieved what many autistics dream to do, which is to take two special interests, interests and combine them into one, right? Because I truly believe that our connection to nature and our connection to animals is a very specific thing for autistic people and is really important to our quality of life and it impacts our quality of life in a different way than non-autistic. And it is from that belief that I believe I will finally get to being able to show people why so many autistic people, A, feel that connected to animals, but specifically cats. I, I That has already happened. I just don't know what it, what it is, but I, I can't wait till that, that time occurs. Uh, <laughs> now, we were talking about change earlier, and something you recently did uh, was move from Colorado to the East Coast. Yeah. Sounds like a big change. <laughs> well, it is, but it's also a, you know, a return home, so it's weird in its own way, right? Yeah. So we started out in New York, or I was in Queens, and Antonio was in Long Island, and I lived in Long Island with him, and we moved to Colorado from there. So we did cross-country once. This was cross-country the second time. And we're now back on the East Coast, not back in New York. I would never go back there ever again. <laughs> I could not live there ever again. And we're up in New England, and I think it's good for us. It was part of the whole freedom equation and getting to be financially free. It was also part of this really huge awareness that COVID kind of gave. Of course, there's giant noise outside. Can we just say it has been silent here until I started to record? And then when we started to record, all the background noise. Okay. But it's really been an awareness during COVID that needing to rely on an airplane to see family was really hard. It was a time when people wanted to be with the people they were closest with and kind of like hunker down together. And we couldn't do that with our family. They were too far away. And then as it prolonged and it was more, you know, everyone's experience was so localized that it just really made us feel, I think, aware of our detachment from family. And for their own reasons, they are not travelers. And that was not something that we could really fight against. And so it was easier for us to say, well, if that's component, being able to be non-airplane-reliant distance from our family is important to us. It's something we need to consider as we're kind of moving forward in our lives. And it's part of where the decision to leave Colorado came from. Now, before we go, I wanted to talk about something else you're in the process of doing, and that's writing a book. However, I've heard you talk about it in terms that I haven't heard people talk about it in regards to writing books, and that it this is a goodbye book. What exactly is your definition of a goodbye book? And other than your family getting the first autographed copies, when can I get mine? <laughs> well, you can have yours right away, immediately. <laughs> we'll send you one immediately. But yeah, it's a goodbye book for me in terms of the story that I tell myself and the story that I tell the world, right? I've been a coach for the last six years. That's what I've been doing. Along with that, I've been doing consulting and research and all of that. But in terms of what I'm looking to do with my life, I'm ready to let the coaching go. I'm ready to be done with it, and I'm really interested in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, which is DEIB, and that's that's where my passion is right now. So I'm going to be following that train. And, you know, for a long time, I've been hired to tell the story of a late-diagnosed adult autistic, the story of a late-diagnosed woman autistic, the story of what it's like to have that happen. 
talking to parents about what my experience as a child was so that they can understand their childhood, right? And so I tell the story leading up to my diagnosis often, and I tell it a lot, and I'm tired of listening to it. I just am over it. And so I am telling the story one last time, kind of my life leading up to my diagnosis, what it looked like before diagnosis, and a little bit of what it looked like after diagnosis, and that's pretty much it. And then I want to be hired for other things. <laughs> I don't want to, not that I still won't talk about my story, but I don't want it to be the focus of why people are hiring me. I want to be part of a bigger conversation about disability and leadership positions, and that's what I want to be. Well, I look forward to uh, seeing you um, have those conversations. And thanks so much, as always, for taking the time to talk with me. I always love our conversations. Me too. And I hope, oh, I'm excited to like see what you're going to do after you did all of your spoon dropping and picking back up and all of that. I'm glad Autism Stories made the cut, though. I got to say, it really is your, if people don't know you outside of just listening to you, like, Tony's such an interested person in other. He's so genuinely interested in other people and what that's going on that he asked these really well thought out journalistic questions, which as somebody who has to answer questions all the time, they're always the same. Doug, they're all and you never ask the same questions of people that they get asked all the time. And that's what makes for a great interviewer. And so I appreciate that. And I hope that everyone will keep listening for another two hundred episodes if you want to do them. Well, I think it goes back to what you said earlier about boredom. I get really bored and I think there are a lot of interviewers and podcasts that just do the same thing and they don't really put any effort into the questions they ask. And I just want to, I want to share a different story than maybe, you know, not any better or not worse, but I want it to be a different story than that might be uncovered on other, you know, in other um, media. Yeah, absolutely. And who wants to hear their, if they like somebody, you don't want to hear that person talk about the same thing all the time. You want to hear them, what they think about other stuff. And so, I don't know, if you haven't listened to a whole bunch of autism stories and you're listening right now, go back. Go back and listen to a whole bunch of them because Doug does great interviews and it has to, his strength must be appreciated. So please go back and listen. And of course, I'm always happy to come back whenever you want me. Mm -hmm. Talking about um, one last thing. I promise this is really the last thing. Um, <laughs> since I know we both have one of our um, focus interests are TV shows, yes. well, what are you watching these days? Uh, okay, well, I'm currently just started watching The Sandman. So I am watching that. We just finished The Umbrella Academy. So I just finished that as well. And then, I don't know, I'm really, I'm watching one other show that I'm into right now in this moment can think of, which is this weird show about restaurants in New York City. And it's trying to show you, like, the behind the scenes of, like, the way it really is to try to run a business that does food service. And as someone who has just finished up doing food service business, it is nice to watch somebody else struggling <laughs> with their food service business. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll have to check those out. Well, thanks so much, Becca, for joining me, and uh, talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks so much to Becca for the conversation. To learn more about Becca, please check out the link for her new website in the podcast description for this episode. Did you know that Autism Personal Coach provides extraordinary support to live self-sufficient and purpose-driven lives through our customized coaching? 
If this is something that you're interested in, in learning more about, please visit autismpersonalcoach.com for more information. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories, and if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it so they could have the same enjoyable and educational experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it would be very much appreciated. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.